Welcome to the Halakha Hour here live on JRU Radio. We are today filming Arev Rosh, filming and broadcasting live. So let's give you first a website, jrootradio.com. That's where you can watch us live. You can also listen in through the different ways. The number, the best way is to listen in on the phone, 718-506-9099. Or better than on the phone, I mean, it's probably on the phone also, is the JRoot Radio app. Today we are in Arev Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. We're filming live Arev Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. And we have a special class today. Um, we are in the season of Purim, so we have to start, you know, Halchot of Purim eventually, and we hope to get to that part today. But more than that, also, we have a special class today. And we'll announce the class in a second. Before we announce the class, I would like to just make a quick uh Announcement, it's regarding a mitzvah, the mitzvah of Hashabbat Abedah, a lost item. Um, there is a, you know, my regular barbershop, I, I noticed there was a tefillin bag. It's interesting because last week we spoke about in Halchot Mukseh, also about tefillin bag. But there's a tefillin bag and the owner of the barbershop asked me to find, maybe announce it, maybe the person who lost a tefillin bag with the name Eliyahu Cohen. It's in uh, the barbershop on East 7th. And King's Highway, Emmanuel's Barbershop. If you lost it, you can text us today in the show, 347-927-8398. Or just pass by over there, pick up your your uh, tefillin bag and stuff. Okay, and that's, we did our part for the Mazav HaShabbat Abidah. Okay, let's come back now to the class today. Today's class is a special class. We usually we discuss the halachot of Shabbat, usually. And when it's the holidays, we take a break and we discuss halachot of the holidays. And we work off the Benish high to talk whatever the subject is. Baruch Hashem, we are coming off of a siyum. Last week we spoke about the last last points of Mukseh. And like we said, with a small donation to JRU Radio, Razat Hashem, we will be giving out the all the classes on Mukseh here on the Halakha Hour for free. Just have to either text us in, call us in. We're working on that email. If you email us, us also, that'll be the easiest way to con- you know, contact you and to deliver the CD to you. Today's class is really inspired by a phone call we got from one of our classes. Most people know already that I don't like to take phone calls in the middle of the class because there's a, a lot of what to say and if we clarify everything, then you know we pretty much knock out a lot of the questions. And also, we do answer questions after the, after the class, after the show. We're here. We stay in the studio for those who have questions or comments or if they would like to you know criticize anything or just comment on something. We are here. We're still around to answer the questions. So I got a phone call a few weeks ago and it really inspired this whole class. The person was very, very sincere and she asked, she said, you know, I enjoy the class, but I have one comment to make. We're always hearing about things that we cannot do on Shabbat. Could we maybe have a class of things that we can do on Shabbat? And right away, I realized from the question that, you know, she's very right. I told her, Razat Hashem, we'll try to make such a class. Today is the attempt to such a class. And I'll tell you why I was inspired by that question. Because... Question made me realize that when you're listening to a class on Hilchot Shabbat, unfortunately, you get this idea that Shabbat is very restricting. Everything that you hear in a class about Shabbat is what is forbidden. 
You know, we spend about 20 classes on mukse. What do you think we were talking about? We were talking about what you could do? No, maybe we spent maybe 10, 20% of the class speaking about subjects that you can do on Shabbat, things that you could move. But most of the time we dedicate it to things that you cannot move on Shabbat. And even when you were allowed to move certain things on Shabbat, was only because otherwise it would be forbidden. So it makes the whole Shabbat appear as if it's very restricting, very difficult, and like, ah, you know, I can't, I, I can't take it already. And it's wrong, obviously, because Shabbat is not that way. Shabbat is ma'in ulam haba. Hazal tell us Shabbat is the greatest pleasure that a person could have. The Mishnah Prakei Avot says that all the pleasures of this world, all the pleasures of this world, from beginning of creation till the end of days, Imagine you combine everybody's pleasures in the world. Go do one of those surveys where you actually speak to every single person in the world and you tell them, give me all your pleasures, right? Tell me what they are. And you take all that pleasure and compact it into a, a pill. And you take that pill and it puts you in such a high. Hazal tell us it doesn't equal up to a whiff, you know, a, a sniff of Olam Haba. That's Olam Haba. And yet... Hazal tells us that Shabbat is ma'in ulam haba. Shabbat is a sample of ulam haba. And truly, you see, it's very interesting. A lot of people are inspired to be Hosea B'chubah. A lot of people are inspired to become more religious and to become, or even to become from, usually starts on Shabbat. Shabbat usually is the time which is, or the way, the best way to be able to create Ba'alei Tshuva. You invite them over for Shabbat and they experience a Shabbat and they say, this is what I want. Wow, a person gets to taste a sample of Olam Abba on Shabbat. That's how it truly is. So therefore, a comment, which that lady, by the way, we're not saying anything because that comment is not only by that lady, unfortunately, it's shared by many people. A comment where, you know, all the laws of Shabbat seem to be restricting and everything is asur and everything is forbidden. I can't do this and I can't do that. And that's all you hear. Unfortunately, it creates a wrong image. The question which was posed, which is, what can we do on Shabbat? The real answer is everything else. We're only listing you what you cannot do, but really everything else you could do. Now, the reason also for the why things are forbidden on Shabbat, the reason why things are forbidden on Shabbat is in order to preserve the holiness of Shabbat so you could truly enjoy Shabbat. Shabbat is clearly a time of pleasure. That's what it says in the Zohar. Zohar says it's a day of the soul, it's a day of the pleasure. The Pasuk says, Vikarata la Shabbat Oneg. Oneg is the greatest form of pleasure. As, as the Zohar himself says, you have nothing higher than onig. The opposite of onig is when you switch the letters is nega. It's a nega sarad, or a person is alone and is by himself. Onig is the greatest, the greatest level. And the Sfarim bring down onig is Rashetebot, Eden, Nahar, Gan. Rashetebot again, Eden, Nahar, Gan. What in the world does that mean? Eden, we know what's Eden. Eden is, you know, the Garden of Eden. Gan Eden. The Gemara says in Berachot that Gan Eden is only the garden of Eden. Eden is the greatest source of pleasure in this world that was created. That's Eden. And where Adam was placed, he wasn't even allowed to enter Eden. He was only placed in the garden, Gan Eden, the garden of Eden. And the Torah tells us in the beginning of creation, you know, this place of Eden, Nahar Yotze Me Eden Lehashkot Etagan. There's a river 
that comes out of Aden in order to water this gun where Adam, Harishon, and Hava were placed. So, so the Gemara tells us that although Adam and Hava experienced Gan Aden, and it was such a pleasure, it was such a place of unbelievable pleasure, still the uh, the place Aden, Ain Lora'ata, nobody was able to see that place. It's a place of the highest, highest pleasure in this world. And that's the Sfarim bring down. That's Vikarata la Shabbat Onig. Shabbat itself is the same thing. It's a day where all these three come together. The Ain, the Eden, where the Nahar, where goes in, uh, where the, 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 the river that comes from Eden, Lehashkotetagan, to water the garden. Okay, so now because of that, it hurts sometimes, you know, when you when you see that, you know, people don't realize or don't feel the pleasure of Shabbat. I'll tell you the truth also, even regular from people sometimes also don't feel, you know, the pleasure of Shabbat. Sometimes it becomes a little boring, a little, you know, what you don't know what to do. Shabbat is getting longer, what are you supposed to do in such a long day? So therefore, we've dedicated this class to speak about what you could do on Shabbat, Right? what we could do and ideas that we can do. I don't know how much time we'll be able to dedicate to this because we are around the corner from Purim and we have to start talking about Lachot Purim. And, um, you know, it's important, but both, both classes are important. So we'll see, we'll start. And uh, today we'll make it a little bit differently, at least for this part of the class. We will take phone calls um, with your ideas of things that you see that have helped you or, or if brought you the Kedushah of Shabbat, you felt, you know, things that people do, you know, listen, I can tell you what I do. I can tell you some ideas I came up with, but, you know, if you have some other things that maybe our listeners could benefit from or things that a person could do on Shabbat and, of course, something that's applicable to all ages, then we'd love to hear your ideas. And uh, we'll see, we have somebody here answering the phone calls today, my dear friend, uh, Mr. Shlomo Fax is with us today, he'll take your, your phone calls, at least he'll put you on hold, and then we could, uh, we'll see, we'll speak about it. Okay, let's begin. I think the first thing depends on a person's attitude and expectations. Okay, the first thing is, depends on a person's expectation. We all know this. You, know, when you, you expect something very, very good, and you don't get it, so you, get, you come out to be very disappointed. Or when you have different expectations, then also you will come out to be, uh, you know, very disappointed if, if you, didn't, you, know, you didn't expect it. But, but if your expectations are correct, and if you know what to expect, and you, your ex expectations are met, you're a very, very happy person. That's what the Orchot Sadiqim says in the beginning of Shah Simha. All depends on the person's expectation. So that's the first thing you have to know. What in the world are you expecting from Shabbat? True, it talks about Shabbat and the Sfarim. It's days of extreme pleasure. And I have a whole siman of here from the tour, which I put in my notes. I don't know if I'm going to go through the whole thing, but I'm going to quote you a small little, you know, few lines where it says, a person who's me'anneged the Shabbat, notilom nahalab elom metzarim, person who makes Shabbat enjoyable, they give him um, an inheritance without limitations, Shabbat Oneg, and it has to be a day of pleasure, um, everybody agrees on Shabbat, it has to be a day of pleasure, you know, true, it is that way, but what kind of pleasure are we talking about? You ask, you know, if I tell my kids, what kind of pleasure would you like, 
they're thinking of ice cream and the boys are thinking of a sports game. Let's play catch. Let's play football. And maybe, uh, you know, the girls would think of uh, spending time walking together. I don't know. You know, everybody has different expectations. So you have to know when we speak about the pleasures of Shabbat and the owning of Shabbat, you have to know what you're expecting. Understand what you're expecting. Don't expect a day of fun-filled activities. You're going to go on a moonwalk and you're going to, you know, people go to amusement park. They go on roller coasters. They go on swings. Wow, geschmack. That's onig. That's pleasure. That's not the Shabbat. That's not the pleasure of Shabbat necessarily. As we explained before, we said before, the Zohar says that Shabbat is the day of the neshama. The pleasure here is specifically the pleasure of the neshama. Unfortunately, throughout the week, we don't have time and the situation doesn't allow us to really focus on pleasure for the neshama alone. So therefore, we have Shabbat. Shabbat is the day when physical activities which disturb the neshama are put on the side. Hazal tell us something very, very interesting. Listen to the following. Hazal tell us that the world was created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu with one hand, and yet the Mishkan was created with two hands. So the Gemara concludes, you see that the building of the Mishkan is greater than the creation of the world. Now without going into the connection between these two, one thing is for sure, and those who anybody who studies Gemara knows, that whenever the rabbis, whenever Hazal compare two things to each other, it means that they have a connection to each other. It's not a random thing. Hazad did not say, Hashem created the mountains, and Hashem also, uh, and the Jewish people also, built the Aron. You know, it doesn't say such a thing. But it does say, that Hashem created the world, and the Jewish people, or, and Hashem made the Mishkan. So these two are connected to each other. The creation of the world, and the building in the Mishkan. In fact, we know Shabbat, we know the reason why Shabbat, because on six days Hashem spent creating the world, and on the seventh day, he stopped from creation. That's what the word Shabbat in Hebrew means. It means to cease, to stop. He stopped from creation and he, quote-unquote, rested. And what did he rest from? From the creation. And what are the actions? What are the things that we're supposed to cease from on Shabbat? All the melachot that we are forbidden to do on Shabbat are the melachot that the Jewish people did in building the Mishkan. They go hand in hand. The building of the Mishkan, the things that were needed to build the Mishkan are the same things that we're supposed to stop from on Shabbat because it's really Hainuhach. It's also the same thing. The Mishkan is like a miniature of the world. And all the Milachot that were necessary to build the Mishkan is Kibiachol, as if to say these are the same things that Hashem, quote-unquote, needed to create the world. So therefore, when we're stopping on Shabbat from these melachot, we're really stopping from anything that has to do with creation of the world, with anything that has to do with Gashmiyut, and we can focus more on Ruhaniyut. But unlike some people who twist the laws of the Torah, the things that we stop from on Shabbat doesn't mean that we completely stop from physical activity, where we don't eat. No, the opposite. We want the body to take full enjoyment of Shabbat. And there's many, many halachot that speak about the importance of taking on Shabbat eating and buying the best delicacies for Shabbat. In fact, the Gemara says, Levu alai ve'ani poreya. Hashem says, you borrow and I'll pay it back. 
So that means go use your credit card and Hashem will pay the bill for your expenses on Shabbat. That's how it is. It's, I always tell the guys in the shul that when you buy things for Shabbat, don't use cash. Use a credit card. We all know how hard it is to let go of money. And the reason why credit card was created is that you shouldn't realize, just keep on spending. You keep on swiping that card and you don't even know what you're spending. Yeah, okay, just put it on the bill, put it on the bill. Some people have a lot of accounts and whoa, when they have to pay them, they take a deep breath. I spend that much? So on Shabbat, Hashem says, you spend. You see, you enjoy, you think you're going to like it for Shabbat? You spend. Put on the credit card. Hashem says, And so the tool brings down a very interesting, you know, we, we know the Gemara says, not that when the Gemara says, that Rabbi Akiva says, Make your, week, your Shabbat as a weekday, which means don't spend so much on it. Spend like you regularly spend on the food on a weekday. And don't you shouldn't need to go and collect tzedakah from other people. So how could this be? How are we, how are we to reconcile these two statements? Should I go borrow money? Go borrow money from the bank and let me go spend and Hashem will take care of it? Or no, I should go and... You know, cut down on my my pleasures on Shabbat. So, the answer is, the answer is that if you're able to, if you're able to, if you have the money, of course you have. You should try to spend it. Don't don't hold back. Enjoy. Go take and spend. You like something? You think you like it for Shabbat? Save for Shabbat. Go and spend on it. But if you're a person that has no means of paying back the money, mean to say, you know your income. You know you're not going to make it. You know that if you borrow this money, you're not going to be able to pay back then no, don't go and borrow, and don't go and have the need to take money from people. So the, listen to this. I want to quote to you a quote from the tour. The tour we know is one of the greatest poskim. The whole Shohan was based on this tour. And the tour's father was the Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher. And Rabbeinu Asher was one of the greatest poskim. Shohan Aruch says that when he bases halakha on three rabbis, one of them is the Rosh. So he says the two like this, The two says, a few times I brought up the subject in front of, with my father, and I told him like this, You know, a person like me, that I have very little money, it's not even enough for me, and I need other people's help. Am I included in this thing that where the Gemara says I should be uh, I should cut down on my expenses for Shabbat and should treat it like a regular weekday and don't buy extra delicacies or not? Now we would say, of course, you're a poor guy. You're a guy learning Kolei, you don't have any money. What are, what are you going and taking money and spending on things that you can't afford? And he answers that the tour, you know what the, what the Rosh answered him? He never gave me a clear answer. He says, Then he brings a whole proof that he says at the end that what? And he says, No, that you should be able to spend. Go ahead and spend. And if you find some things that you're, you're you, you know, he says, Let me read you the words over here. In Yosef, Yosef Ulo. If you add, they'll add on to you. As it says in the Gemara in Betzah, Kol panasato shel adam kesubalom roshana leroshana chutz mehotza'at shabbat veyom tov vehotza'at banav letamut Torah. All your expenses are paid, are, are, are already written what you're going to have. That means Hashem has decreed what you're going to have already from before. 
But if you're going to add on money, if you're going to add money for the expenses of the Shabbat, then Hashem will add on to you. That's what the Torah, even though he was in a very difficult financial situation, he still says that no. He still says that no, you should spend on Shabbat and if Hashem, if you spend on Shabbat, then Hashem will add on for you. So you see already the halakha tells us that we have to spend on Shabbat, we have to make sure we take, a, we, you know, we have, you know, we, we, we have to enjoy our Shabbat. And I believe the way, what does this have to do with our class? I believe this is an important introduction to what we could do on Shabbat. How does one enjoy Shabbat? It's with the preparation. How you come into Shabbat. The way you come into Shabbat is the way that you can enjoy Shabbat. I mean to say that when you come into Shabbat with preparation, then you'll be able to enjoy Shabbat. Shabbat is not something you just jump into. The Gemara says, Misha tarah Shabbat, Shabbat. If you worked on Arab Shabbat, then you're going to enjoy Shabbat. If you didn't work on Arab Shabbat, what in the world are you going to be able to eat on Shabbat? Mean to say, let's say your food on Shabbat is chalent. Once you come into Shabbat, you can't cook anymore. So you're not going to have a chalent on Shabbat. If you don't work hard on going buying the food and cutting the potatoes and putting the spices and putting on the crockpot, you're not going to have the, the food. That's the same thing over here. Well, you want to enjoy Shabbat. I'm not talking about only physical pleasure. Of course, physical pleasure, we just saw. Even if your panasah, your financial situation is a little difficult, okay, you have to spend according to whatever you could do, try to spend a little bit. And you have to prepare yourself the food and all the delicacies for Shabbat that comes before Shabbat. But the same thing, Rabotai, if a person wants to enjoy Shabbat on a regular, in a regular way, even on other things besides beyond food, it needs a lot of preparation. And that's why I believe a lot of people have a difficult time enjoying Shabbat. I don't know if it's Shabbat or the fact that we don't want to put the effort in it. Have you ever been invited to somebody's house for Shabbos, whether it's a Simha, whether it's uh, whatever it may be? Nobody prepares the last second. If it's something that you see is beautiful, beautiful setup, beautiful things, you see there's a lot of preparation. You could tell from the meal, you could tell from the food, you could tell from the family, the way everything is set up, you could tell how much people spent to prepare for Shabbat. The more a person prepares, the more beautiful it is. And the same thing over here. You want to enjoy Shabbat? Get ready for the following suggestions. You need to know that you're going to have to do a lot of preparation. So now, of course, there's different types of families and there's type of things. I'm going to start first with what I believe is most common. Most common is that families, there are families with kids in the house that are not married. And that's pretty much the uh, group of audience that we're speaking to. So, you're obviously cooking and you're preparing for Shabbat. Well, that's mostly the ladies' job. Maybe some of the men will, will uh, go shopping when not in the morning today. Today, you could just email your list and they'll deliver it to your house. Or you could just go pick up on one of those uh, supermarkets that have already prepared food. And there is no real preparation for Shabbat. That could be one of the major problems. You know, one of the holidays, if you would think of all this, from all the holidays that we have, what's the, one of the happiest holidays that we have? We know it's Purim. Other people say it's Sukkot. These two happen to be two of my favorites, Purim and Sukkot. You know why these two holidays are so enjoyable? Because you do a lot of preparation. Think about it. Purim, already people are shopping for Mishloach Manot. What costumes are the kids going to wear? What's going to be with the Saudah? What are we eating? And if we're going Saudah hopping, 
There's a lot of preparations for, Pur- for Purim. And Sukkot, forget about it, much more. Sukkot, you have to build the sukkah, you have to prepare all the meals, and figure out where you're going to eat. A lot of preparations. So when you come to the holiday, you're already coming with the sukkah. It's much more enjoyable automatically because you prepared for it. When Shabbat comes in and there's no preparation for Shabbat, uh, forgive me, but that really takes away from the pleasure of Shabbat. You enjoy what you worked hard for. If you work hard for preparing for Shabbat, you'll enjoy Shabbat a little bit more. Ah, oh, but Panasah, and I'm busy, and I have to go to work. Okay, okay, listen. I'm here to tell you how to enjoy Shabbat. If you have other things that are causing you not to enjoy Shabbat, so what do you want from me? I'll tell you another thing, by the way. We mentioned this in one of the classes also preparing for Shabbat. Sometimes what makes Shabbat unenjoyable is because everybody comes to Shabbat exhausted, tired out, and I understand. Even especially guys are learning. They stay up learning, learning a lot on Friday, on, on uh, Thursday night, staying up in Mishmar. And even those who are working, they come and they work hard and they learn, they learn early in the morning or late at night. And they come by the time Shabbat meal comes and the Shemayatera comes in shul and boom, wow, forget about it. Already it's a knockout. You know, the guy is out until Sunday. You, you know, Shabbat. Okay, so you're resting on Shabbat. Maybe you'll enjoy, but you know what? Sometimes the family doesn't enjoy it. Your kids don't enjoy it because... Daddy and Abba are always sleeping. They're always uh, tired. They're too tired to hear us. They're too tired to hear Advaita. They're too tired to make Shabbat enjoyable. We sit down for the meal. We bench and yell, yell back to bed and it's over. So one of the preparations of Shabbat is also to go to sleep. Somebody once called in and he told me a beautiful line. I forgot which Rebbe it was. But I really appreciate that phone call. He says, he quoted one of the famous Rebbe's and he says, sleeping before Shabbos for the sake of Shabbos, mean to say to, that you shouldn't be tired on Shabbat, is so important, I wonder why it wasn't one of the Aseret brought. <laughs> you hear such a statement? I like it a lot. It's very true. It's very, very, very true. Everybody knows when you come exhausted to something, you just want to finish it. You come to the meal exhausted, and the kids will say, Oh, I have a Dvar Torah. Okay, okay, hurry up, quickly. Give me the Rosh Yeah, 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 we know. Okay, that's a grad. That's a Chaim Brisker. Very nice. Okay, next. Next. Okay, fine. You know, oh, you have to say the Right? And you go. And the kid wants to say a story. No, no, no. Get to the point already. Come on. Right? You're not in the mood. You're tired. You're exhausted. So one of the things is take away all distractions. If you, if I would come here and tell you, you want to enjoy Shabbat? Don't put on the TV. You'd think I'm crazy. What? TV? Television on Shabbat? Well, of course. It's ridiculous. We're going to put television. Well, television is distracting, right? Of course you're not going to enjoy Shabbat if you have your TV on. I expect to enjoy Shabbat. Your TV is on. So same thing. How do you expect to enjoy Shabbat? If you come to Shabbat exhausted, how do you expect to enjoy Shabbat if you haven't done anything for Shabbat? Of course, you come on Shabbat empty-handed, it's going to be all empty. So you need to do is do some preparations. Not only the women. Not only the women cooking and preparing the house for a delicious thing, for del- with the delicious food. But also the men have to prepare. I believe every man can do this. It's not difficult. You don't have to be a public speaker. You know, believe it or not, that's how I started my career. I started my career with the following. You know how? I used to prepare a Dvar Torah or a story to say on Shabbat table. And as uh, if you're a father and you have kids in the house, so just take a nice story and say the story over. I remember when we were little kids, we used to sit around after the Sodah on Le Shabbat. My father would sit on, uh, this was uh, in uh, Altaheim in Syria. In the old country, okay? We'd sit on the floor. Not because we usually sat on the floor. We did have couches or what I we're not that uh, you know primitive. But after the meal, we had a rug on the floor, we'd sit down, and my father would sit say this 
unbelievable story that always, you know, it was like uh, this big long story that every week was always to be continued. Till today, I don't remember, I don't know if my father made up the story as he went along or he read it somewhere and he just kept on, you know, and he make all the characters' names into the kids' names. And he got everybody involved. We always sat around excited. And by the way, yeah, we did, as, as little kids, we did grow up with television. So, uh, and even still, the story was very entertaining. Kids love stories. And no matter who you are, you can say it in a way that your kids will enjoy it. But guess what? That's not going to happen. You're not a storyteller because you don't know any stories. You haven't read up. Go read a story and take your time in saying the story. Add in a lot of uh, details to the story. Add, you know, uh, make it very colorful. And if you can't do that, then buy a storybook or go to the library. There's plenty of Jewish libraries that lend out books. And sit around and say a story. Now, it has to be obviously age-appropriate. So you do that based on age and based on, you know your crowd, you know your children by now. That's one way to do preparation. Don't expect to come Shabbat and try to rattle off the story that maybe you heard in Shul from the Rav while the other guy next to you was trying to talk to you and he picked up half the story. You have to be able to, you have to come preparing, prepared with a few stories. And that's one way to come into Shabbat and making Shabbat more enjoyable. Another idea I'll tell you is, I was thinking, what, what were, what were, what were my, my favorite Shabbatot? Which Shabbatot did I really enjoy? And I was reflecting back, I saw that the times when we went on the Shabbaton, those were very enjoyable. If I went on Shabbaton or the days in Yeshiva, ooh, ah, Shabbat and Yeshiva were days was, oh, was unbelievable. Now I realized, you know what? That's also what the Zohar says. That the Zohar says that the day of Shabbat is the day and all the Sfarim bring down is when Jews get together. The Baal Shem Tov was metaken, the Saudash Yishit should be eaten with a group of people. It shouldn't be eaten alone, especially when Shabbat is leaving. People should be together. Shabbat is a day of the Neshamot and there's nothing more beautiful than the Neshamot getting together. So sometimes, sometimes you need to, yeah, make a point of it that, you know, you finish your meal, you had an unbelievable meal, you had a beautiful meal, but it's a long day. Maybe the ladies, you know, for the men, I'll tell you what you have to do. Try to make sure you make time for Torah learning on Shabbat. Whether it's learning by yourself or learning by Hebruta or learning with a group. Yeah, learning with a group. The Shabbat is a day for the soul. As Hazal tells us, You know why Hashem gave us a Shabbat and Yom Tov? You know that we should learn Torah on those days. We should be busy with Torah on those days. We shouldn't run to do other activities. Shabbat is a day of the soul and we have to do things that are uh, needed for the soul. Learning Torah and all all such other such activities. Growing, Musar, lectures. So one idea is, if you're a man, so you're going, you, you make a matzav, you make a thing in your shul where you have learning. If the shul cannot afford it, so you know what, get, get a few guys together, pay for somebody to come give you classes on Shabbat, extra classes. It's, and when you get a group of people, it's not so expensive anymore. People spend on other things, this should be also something that you spend on. Um, if you, if that's, what about the ladies? Ladies sort of could also do the same thing. If you live in a block where many Jewish ladies are around, you could make a thing in, in somebody else's house every week where either... If all ladies are pretty much girls that are learned and they could do this, so one lady will share an idea or give a, a not a lecture, you know, but a, but a group discussion. My ladies, is no such thing as a lecture, you know. It's when you say one statement, everybody gets involved in it. So it's like a, you know, one of those uh, groups, you know, group uh, therapy or something. I don't know. It's not therapy, but you know what I'm saying. You can take a safer like, peleoites, even in English. 
and learn from it and bring up ideas and discuss it. And this should be done in groups. You can learn about Tzniyahut and you can grow in all different ways. Shabbat is the day of the Neshamot. We're all Neshamot getting together, like that we said before, the Zohar says, and make a point of it to make groups on Shabbat. In order that it shouldn't be too dry, so part of being in a group, go into a different setting every time. And by the way, here's something that could ruin it for everybody. Sometimes people don't like to host people because they feel the pressure of having to serve everybody. So make it with the condition that whoever we're going to, there's the there's a standard. You're only putting out, let's say, chips and drinks. That's it. Don't make it too much that the people who are hosting should feel a pressure that they can't host every week or they can't host every month, once a month, whatever may be their turn. And this could be done every age group. The teenagers could get together. The ladies are already grandparents could get together. And the ladies are in the middle age that could get together. And sometimes it's a little difficult because you have your little kids in the house. So again, you have to know how to manage it. But creating groups of learning on Shabbat is one of the best ways. I'll tell you something that you should not do on Shabbat. Somebody once asked me, there was a group of guys, and they were planning to make, they, you know, they, they, they're not keeping Shomer Shabbat. Let's just straight out. Okay, they were not keeping Shabbat, but they were starting to come to classes, and they had a lot of friends, and their friends were starting to be interested in classes. So they wanted to make it that Shabbat should be enjoyable for everybody. So they wanted to make like a special house or apartment where the guys could come hang out on Shabbat, and this way, they'll avoid Halul Shabbat. So they ask the question, what is it we could do on Shabbat? Could we play board games? Could we play cards? Could we do all these things? You know, we want to make Shabbat not boring. So what my answer was inspired by the Shabbos Project. The Shabbos Project, everybody knows about it by now. The Shabbos Project, I believe, was started by a rabbi in South Africa. And he said the following, you know, many people invite non-religious people to their houses. And when they invite these non-religious people to their houses, they usually come for a meal, they enjoy it, and they walk out and they continue in their lives. They never really tasted a full Shabbat. He says the whole idea of a Shabbos project we're going to do is we're going to invite people who are not observant to our houses and we're going to give them a full Shabbat from beginning to end without any compromises. You're gonna, if you're coming, you have to keep Shabbat from beginning to end. You cannot be Mahalei Shabbat and we're going to show you how Shabbat is enjoyable. If Hashem told us that Shabbat is enjoyable, we don't have to cover up for it. We don't have to feel, we, we have to know that this is the greatest pleasure. If we want to feel the greatest pleasure, it's going to be through Shabbat. So therefore, don't compromise on halachot. Don't say there are matirim and there are people who are lenient. You could play this way, you could play that way, you could play basketball, there's people who are matirim. All these are kulot that you're avoiding the, the, the point, you're missing the point. All these things maybe could be used once in a while, but for a person to really enjoy Shabbat, you don't need more than Shabbat itself. Spend time with friends together, especially when the weather is nice. Go take the kids out for a walk. Get a, get, maybe get a, uh, get a group of girls to come to your house and you know you do activities together, you share the share ideas together. Don't distract yourself with other things. Like I said before, you wouldn't put on your TV on Shabbat. You, will, you wouldn't bring even TV, hopefully, in your house. But you don't do things that distract you. Don't do things that dis- take away the Kiddushah Shabbat. Don't do other activities that take away from the Kiddushah Shabbat. You know, keep it on things that are spiritual. Don't try to pass time playing board games and all other such activities. I think that's enough. If anybody would like to call in, 
Number is 718-683-5858. We'll take your phone calls. Uh, if you have any ideas that you know, you'd like to add. Oh, and uh, we'll give you the live radio number for those who want to listen, 718-506-9099. Text in, you could text in at 347-927-8398. Okay, meanwhile, we're going to move over now to discuss today's uh, new subject. Bazat Hashem will be discussing now the halachot of Purim. Purim, although it's a one-day holiday, and you know there are many of the halachot are pretty simple, but still, there's still halachot that we have to learn, important halachot, important subjects. So we need to know what to do and how to do them. Before we get to the actual halacha class of Purim, before we come to, to the details of the halacha, we want to first give you the dates to Purim in the year 5776, this year 2016. Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet is going to be tomorrow, Thursday, March 10th, and the following day on Friday, March 11th. Shabbat Zachor, which is the day when we read Parashat Zachor, is going to be Parashat Vayakra, March 19th. Tanit Esther is going to be that Wednesday, Wednesday, March 23rd. And Wednesday night will be the night of Purim, and Purim will be Thursday, March 24th. Now, before we come to the halachot, we have somebody on, yeah, somebody who called in who has some ideas to share. Go ahead. Hello? Shalom. Yes. I was going to speak to the rabbi with regard to... I'm sorry, again? Oops. Can you go back again? With regard to getting together with people in groups on Shabbat. Yes. So, what if a person prefers to uh, hang out with Hashem, so to speak? Maybe they're in Hitbojit with Hashem, they like to daven all day, or say Tehillim. Because sometimes when you meet people, they accidentally do a lot of Lashon Hara immediately. Okay, great point that you're pointing out. We were giving ideas for the people who feel bored and feel lonely on Shabbat. So I used to be, but through my pain, I was able to contact Hashem. Right. So I don't feel that way any longer. So that's great. If a person could do it on their own, in fact, we know that uh, in Breslev, this is what they push for. It body do to spend the time alone with Hashem. Personally, I <laughs> almost have a good time. I used to cry, and now I just talk to Hashem. It's the greatest time of my life. And that's great. That's really wonderful. I'll tell you personally, you know, with the, the whole week, we're busy with the phones and text messages, and I don't have a moment to really think. On Shabbat, when my walk, when sometimes I walk back from Shulam by myself, I enjoy those walks. I could think a little bit more. I can maybe speak to Hashem. Yeah, it's wonderful. If a person could do that, that's wonderful. Sometimes you should Absolutely. Know, it depends Baruch on Hashem. the age. It depends also on the age. A mother that has children in the house, unfortunately, doesn't have that moment. She, oh, right. You know, I'm others. not your classic audience, possibly. No, 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 no. But no. I enjoy the time when I just parked the car and I had you on. I said, I'm not going anywhere <laughs> because you. I need to hear this. Thank you very much. Um, yes, so it depends really on the person. So sometimes it depends who it is. But yes, if a person has the opportunity, sometimes if the kids are all visiting friends, they're all out of the house, and the person feels, wow, I could have that time when I could speak to Hashem, read some Tehillim, and 
you know, you should know. I Absolutely. want to point this out. You know, people get nervous from this. They feel you have to be brusque to do this. You don't have to be brusque to do this. But really, like you <laughs> said, you could speak. Speak to Hashem in your own language. Believe it or not, Hashem also speaks English. Believe it or not. Exactly. And, you and when I read it. those little Breslover books, there's a lot of secrets written in very yeah. simple Russian. Right. Rav Victor Miller Zatzal used to say the same thing. He says, say, I love Hashem. Speak to Hashem. But, you know, he would say, don't speak too loud so people shouldn't think you're crazy. So if you're alone, nobody's going to exactly. think you're crazy. Exactly. They're starting to think I'm nuts. <laughs> no, no. So, so don't do it in public. <laughs> but I do. I like to say to him and I like to talk to Hashem. Right. So don't do it in public. But the maybe. truth is, um, to him, we could say goo goo gaga. Right. And that's how sometimes our feels may even sound. Right. Right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Okay, now let's get back to Purim with a little bit of few minutes that we have. I appreciate that phone call. Those who want to call, I guess uh, you know, I have to dedicate this time a little bit to just to speak about Purim. So we'll take your calls after three o'clock Okay, let's get to Halakha. First we're gonna list you the subjects that are found on Purim, and we're going to list it in the order that we will give the class. Not the way it's found in Shohan Aruch, and definitely not the way it comes up, but we organize it in a way that we felt is needed for you, you know, what's earlier, what's better. You'll see what I'm talking about. The first subject we're going to speak about is Mahatsita Shekel, and together we'll stick in Zain Adar. Second subject is Mishloach Manot. Third is Saudat Purim. Fourth is Parashat Zachor. Number five is Ta'anit Esther. Number six is Mikra Megillah. And finally, Matanot Le'ebionim, which happens to be that they go hand in hand with, Mikra Megil- with uh, the reading of Megillah. An interesting uh, rim is, you'll make your own connection later on, the Mitzvot of Purim that we found on Purim, on Purim day we find there are four Mitzvot and they all begin with a lot of Mem. Mem, Mikra Megillah, Mishloah Manot, Matanot Le'ebionim, and the Mishteh, which is Saudat Purim. And there's one more Mizrah also that begins with Mem, that has to do with Purim, but comes before Purim. And that is Mehayat Amalek, reading of Parashat Zachor, which is actually the only one from the whole group, which is a Mitzvah Minhat Torah. It's Mitzvah Deoraita. Everything else is Debre Kabbalah, which is Debre uh, Nevi'im, which is uh, closer to Derabanan. Before we begin the Halakhot, I want to introduce it with the Gemara. We know the famous Gemara. And Ta'ani, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, Mishnachnas Adar. Marbim besimha. When Adar comes in, we increase in happiness. Now, everybody asks, what's going on? What's this happiness all about? So, we're going to give you a shot, an explanation of this Mishnah. It is not something that I saw anywhere. I don't uh, say that this is what the Hazal had intention in mind either when they said the statement. But I definitely believe it has a lot of truth to it. Hazal tell us when Adar comes in, you have to increase in Simha. Sfarim bring down this year that we have a double Adar. That's 60 days of Samha. So, Mamela, if you have any person who has any sort of sadness, it's already Batel Bishishim. You have the 60 days of Adar to, be, to take it out. So, you have to know. One Adar comes in, especially if you have a family and you have little children in the house, you're going to start spending and you're going to spend a lot. There's a Mishlam Ahmanot. There are Mishlam Ahmanot that you have to give 
and there's Muzahmanot they have to give because of your wife's friends and your family and your in-laws and your neighbors and wait, 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 don't forget the kids and the kids' friends and the kids' rabbeim and we're not done yet. Then there's the costumes for the kids and then there's Saudat Purim. Wait, also, don't forget, there's Mahzit shekel, And there's also, Matanot Lebionim, you have to give to the Aniyim. And don't forget, Kolo Poshet Yad, Notim Lo, whoever sticks out his hand on Purim, you have to give him. There's a lot of spending just for Purim alone. And just when you think it's over, we Purim is over, Baruch Hashem, okay, I'll look at the credit card bill afterwards. Guess what? Pesach is here. And then you're going to have to spend. There's Matzah, although it's Lehem Oni. It's not a poor man's bread. It makes maybe makes you poor, but it's not. Right? There's a lot of spending that's gonna be done when Adar comes in. So therefore, I'll tell you like this. You're gonna have to spend it either way. You know that. And although it could be straining a little bit or whatever, but you should just know that at least your attitude should be one of Simha. Make yourself happy. You know, why go through this holiday grumpy? It's a time of simha. And either way, everybody has to spend. Like we said before, all the money that a person has, that Hashem is giving him that year, is decided except for what you spend on the holidays. So keep that in mind. Although it's difficult to keep it in mind, sometimes the bills are, are a lot. But again, you're going to spend anyway, spend it with simha. So I believe that's the name is in the words of Hazan. Mishnah Nas Adam Rabbi Simha. Get into a happy mood and a positive mood. So this way, when you spend, you get to actually enjoy the holiday instead of just uh, grinding your teeth. So the first subject we're going to speak about is Mahatzit HaShekel. Let's begin with the following. Let me point out, Mahatzit HaShekel that's mentioned in the Torah is not the Mahatzit HaShekel that we give today. The Mahatzit HaShekel that we're giving today is a custom. It's a minhag. It's not a... The Mahatzit Shekel of the Torah, which was a Hayyub Deoraita that they did every single year. In the Torah, the Torah tells us about that the Jewish people, when they were counted, they all gave Mahatzit Shekel. Each one gave a half of a Shekel. And that's what they used. That's what they used to count the Jewish people. Once that money was collected, what was it used for? So Azad tells us that they gave it three times. In the times when they were building the Mishkan, it was used for Korbenot Sabur. It was used also for the silver sockets. It was also used for the maintenance in the Mishkan. The custom of giving, or not the custom, the obligation of giving Mahatzit HaShekel continued every single year when we had the Beit HaMikdash. That money that was given to the Beit HaMikdash was used to buy the korbanot that were offered that year. Because we all know, in order to bring a korban on behalf of someone, you can't have somebody in mind. It has to be actually his. He has to have some sort of ownership in it. So the Mahzit shekel was a way where we got all the Jewish people together, or all the money that were able to uh, bring the korbanot on a, on a daily basis on behalf of all the Jewish people. And the Torah tells us the people who had to give Mahzit shekel were men between the ages of 20 to 60. That means anybody under 20 or over 60 did not give Mahzit shekel. A woman did not have to give Mahzit shekel. In those days. But, the halakha says, as Masechet Shekalim points out, if a person wanted to give Mahzit Shekel, even though he wasn't obligated, that means a man is 65 and he wants to give Mahzit Shekel, yeah, you could give, we'll take it from him. But the Hayyub, the obligation is only between the ages of 20, 60. And the Torah tells us, how much is the Shekel? The Shekel is Asrim Gera. Gera is a certain uh, measurement. Like you would say, grams. Gera is something, it's not grams, but Asrim Gera 
is what the Torah says a shekel is. Mahatzit, half of that means it's ten gira. Okay, that's the background of mahatzit a shekel from the Torah. The minhag in our days is that we give mahatzit a shekel. Where does it come from? The Ramah quotes the Mordechi, and he says like this. The Ramah in Siman Tafresh Sadidat, he says like this. Yesh omrim, sheyesh etem kodem purim mahatzit min hamatbeya akabua some say that you should give before Purim half of the coin that's the currency in that place and at that time. Why? Only in commemoration to the Mahatita Shekel that they give, that they used to give on Adar. So here we have the custom. It's a minhag. But still, it's a Jewish minhag. It means all the Jewish people do it. And we should also do it. It's not something we should just throw away. And the Ramad says over here that it's a minhag to give as they used to give. But you see, he points out over here, he says, half of the currency. So technically, it sounds like from Ramah that if there is such a minhag, we should give only 50 cents. That's what it sounds like. However, in Shoot Bet David, Hazon Abadiyah quotes him and he says, No, Ramad doesn't mean to say that you give half of a dollar. No, he really means to say that you give half of a price of silver shekel. So why does he say Hatim Matbeah? He just wants to tell you that if Hatim Matbeah is that price or more, you could give also Hatim Matbeah that's good enough. Even though it's worth more than a half of a shekel in silver, you could also give a half of a dollar. But not to say that if it's less, you could also give it. But really, the real way of giving Mahatita shekel is to give the price of half a shekel in silver. Which means, in order to be able to know what the price of Mahatita shekel, it's not just a half a dollar although there are opinions that way, but really the car is, especially according to this Faradim, you have to know what the price of the Asrim Gerah HaShekel, like the Torah says, what is the size or the price of a Gerah of silver? And then you can find out how much it is. So in order to find this out, we go to Shohan Aruch in Al-Khot of Pidyon HaBin. Then Maran writes, Mizvat Asay Lifdot Kol Ish Misrael Beno Shu Bechol Le'emoh Yisraelit. There's Mizvat Aseh, we all know something called Pidyon Habin. You, when, uh, you have a Yisrael and Israelite, two men who are neither Kohanim or Levim, they have a firstborn boy. So they do a Pidyon Habin. The Pidyon Habin, what they do is they give the child to the Kohen, and then they have to, quote-unquote, buy him back. That's redeeming him. How much is he worth to buy him back? The Torah says in Parashat B'Hukotai, the price of a child from 30 days old until 5 years old is about 5, not about, but the Torah says 5 Sela'im. How much is five selahim? Says Maran, they are worth 30 dirhamim, shloshim dirhamim kesef mezukak. 30 dirham of pure silver. We call it sterling silver. So that means if five selahim, which by the way are equal to a shekel, if five selahim equal 30 dirham, how much is each shekel? So you do 30 divided by five, comes out that each shekel is worth six dirham. For Mahatita Shekel, we have to give half of that. So half of six dirham is three dirham. Ah, very good. What's dirham? Ah, you want to know what dirham is? Dirham is not something that we use today. Dirham was a measurement that they used. They still, I believe they still use it in the Middle East because they used to use it from the Ottoman Empire. It's a measurement. A dirham 
we have uh, various opinions of what a dirham is. Most opinions always understood that dirham is 3.2 grams. Each dirham is 3.2 grams. Hakam he writes that each dirham was only 3 grams. So therefore, if I have to give a mahatsita shekel, if each shekel is 6 dirham, mahatsita is 3 dirham, and each dirham is 3.2 grams, then it comes out that each mahatsita shekel is 9.6 grams of silver. 9.6 grams of silver is the price of one mahatsit shekel. Now you want to know, how much is that? Very simple. Go to Google and write price of silver. And whatever price of silver is, you'll see whatever gram it is. How much is one gram of silver? You multiply by 9.6 and you get to uh, the, the total. According to today's prices, I believe that one gram of silver is 51 cents. So if you do 51 cents times 9.6 grams, you'll get a total of 4.896. Yeah, I'm good at math, right? Especially when I have my calculator in front of me. So it's a, about $5. Mahatita shekel is about $5. That's the prices in 2016. Now, if the price changes for some reason... Then whatever, whenever you're giving the mahatita shekel, that's what you do. Find out how much is one gram of silver, multiply by 9.6, and that's what you give for mahatita shekel. The Ramah writes down, the Ramah brings down that some people are noheg to give three coins of mahatita shekel. Why? Because we find in the Torah the word terumah. In that parasha of mahatita shekel, it says it three times the word terumah. So from there we see that or from there comes the minhag to give three mahatita shekels. So therefore, if you want to, you could give, not if you want to, but there's some minhagim that people give three coins of mahatita shekel, and that's really preferable. Why not? It's all going to tzedakah anyway. But the minhag of Bnei Sparad is that they give one mahatita shekel. Could you give more? Yeah, of course you give more. I personally, I try, if, I'm, if I could, I try to give more than, uh, than, than one. I try to give the three mahatita shekels, but... Can you know can ignore the fact that the minhag is of the Sfaradim to give only one Mahatita Shekel. When should you give it? You should the best time to give it is in the month of Adar before Purim. And especially some give it have the minhag of giving it on before reading the Megillah. Anyway, they take a break between Minhan Arbit um, before the Megillah Esther. So in that time, a lot of people give Mahatita Shekel. By the way, you don't have to give the actual coin, you can give either a check, you could give cash. Anything. You don't have to actually give a coin. There's not some who know to actually give a coin. But Ma'akaradin, it's all a minhag, it's all a custom. You can even give money. Who has to give it? Like we said in Torah, anybody from the age of 20 and above. But the Mishnah Barah says, in the name of Tosafot, that people give it even from the age of Bar Mitzvah and above. The Layaraba, that the minhag is also to give it on women and even on infants. People ask, what do you mean? It doesn't say that in the Torah. Again, it's not an obligation Torah, it's a minhag. And since the Pasuk says, So since it has to do with kapara, people give it on every member of the house and the family. You don't have to write down names, you don't have to say any special blessing. In fact, you should even say, This is Mahasita Shekel. You said, This is only Zechel Mahasita Shekel. And you give your coins or you give your money to where? Where should a person give it to? You should give it to places that are resembling the Beit HaMikdash, places that have Torah, places that have Tefillah, or people who are all sick in Torah all day, Tamideh HaKimim, who are all sick in Torah all day, 
like Abrechim, people who learn in Kolel, you could give them the Mahatzita Shekel. It's all the same thing because it's all going to increase Torah and Tefillah where the Gemara tells us that's the miniature Beit HaMikdash that we have in our days. And although the best time to give it is before Purim, if a person didn't give it before Purim, you can still give it throughout the month of Purim, through the month of Adar. Rabbi Chaim Ganyevsky adds, even after Adar, a person should still give it even after Adar. If you forgot about it, you should still give it even after Adar. One last point. Mahatzita Shekel should not come from your Maaser money. It should come from your regular money. Because the rule is called Dabash Since this is an obligation, or because it's obligation from Mitzad HaMinhag, you should not use your Maaser money for Mahatzita Shekel. But another thing is that you don't have to give the same price for every person in the house. You could choose that for anybody who is above the age of Bar Mitzvah or above the age of 20 in your family, you'll give maybe the highest level. And if your wife is pregnant, you'll give maybe 50 cents according to some opinions that's also called Mahatzit shekel. You can mix and match whatever you like. There are different ways of giving Mahatzit shekel. You just know you don't have to give the same amount for each person. You can give accordingly, especially according to your means. Just keep in mind though, at the end of the day, it's all going to charity. It's all going to good causes. So you should feel good about it. And it should... Increase your simha and hana hasbashalom the other way. We're going to have to stop here. Class will be aired on again tonight at 10 o'clock. If you have any questions, we'll be here in the studio for a few more minutes. You can call in at 718-683-5858 or you can text in at 347-927-8398. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Iran and Rav Nisim and J Radio staff. We'll see you next week. Bezat Hashem with the Halachot of Purim. We'll continue the Halachot of Purim. Until then, have a wonderful week and the Shabbat Shalom.